starting this series, Would You Like to Get Well? And, and this is a topic, this is actually a question that Jesus asked to the, the lame person by the pool, if you guys remember that. And, and in this, I really kind of struggled where to go in this, and I, and I feel like we have a lot of questions. As believers, as non-believers, wherever you're at in the spectrum, what about healing? What is that? And this question of, do you want to get well, that Jesus asked, how many of you know naturally we would want to say, well, of course I do, right? If you're not feeling well, do you want to get well? I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer, but it can be a little bit of a complicated, depending on what your beliefs are, depending on what maybe you've been taught when you were younger growing up about what healing is. Uh, some people don't believe that healings happen anymore, not supernatural ones anyway. Uh, other people believe, yes, God still does miracles. How many of you believe God still does miracles? Amen. And, and let me tell you, I don't just believe it. I know it because I know within my physical body, I've had a supernatural healing. That can't be uh, explained by any kind of medical doctor, and uh, I've shared it with you before. I'm not going to get into that, but I know that God heals, and I've heard many different testimonies. We've had testimonies uh, these last few weeks of uh, people that have been touched and healed, so God still does it. And, and let me just say this, because I think this is important. Years ago, our religious beliefs were basically handed down to us through our family, isn't that right? What you were, if you were raised Baptist or Methodist or Lutheran uh, or Catholic or Pentecostal for that matter, that's basically who you were. You were not any of those things because you chose to be. You just never really considered anything else. Well, that's what I am. That's how I grew up. That's not the case today. Today, many people try out different churches, different denominations, and uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing other than one time, at times, we can grab a little theology here. Uh, let me mix it with what they believe. Let me mix. And then you've got contradicting sometimes beliefs that, that can put you all over the place. And, and what I want to challenge you today is that when it comes to things that may go against what you've always believed, don't let a church or denomination be the one that tells you the final authority. We have to allow God's word to be the final authority. Amen. The Bible has got to be our final authority. No matter what other people tell you, you've got to go to God's Word and let God's Word be the one. Amen? Amen. So let me tell you, if I tell you something, and maybe it's beyond something what you believe, go to God's Word. Go to God's Word. Allow God's Word to have that. If it contradicts me, believe that instead of me. Amen? Amen? Believe that instead of me. So when it comes to healing, especially divine healing or miracles in general, like I said, people are all over the place. So I want to take us back. It is Super Bowl weekend, so I'm going to give a football analogy here, if that's okay. Uh, some of you guys may remember last year, January 3rd in uh, 2023, DeMar Hamblin of the Buffalo Bills. Suddenly, he, he didn't get hit. He just collapsed on the football field. All the crowd was watching. They were silent, and uh, immediately they started doing CPR on him, and uh, the, whole, the whole stadium bowed down in prayer, and uh, it was pretty amazing. You could see the teams counting. People are, are gasping, like, what in the world is going on? Uh, and the announcers called the nation to prayer. Can you believe that? Uh, here's, here's CNN right here, or ESPN. How many of you know that is not a religious station? All right? Uh, usually something far from it. This guy right here, he says, listen, 
I'm going to pray. And this, this is what he said. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head and pray in the name of Jesus. And he led the nation that were watching that in prayer. And I think that was amazing because at that point, nobody was arguing, does God exist? Nobody was saying, oh, does God still heal? Or does God still answer prayer? I think it's safe to assume that the spiritual condition of America is not great, is it? It's not in the best place. As a matter of fact, it's getting worse and worse. But what this moment illustrated is that when things in life really go wrong, when there are no answers anywhere, that people still turn to God in prayer. Isn't that true? You've heard this phrase, there are no atheists in the foxholes. And uh, when, when everything begins to happen, when crises begin to happen, people call out to God. And they're not worried about what their theology is. And I exa- they're like, God, I need help. Amen? So thank God. I want to say thank God there's still an awareness of God in our country. Amen. Thank God for that. So over these next few weeks, I want to try to answer some of these uh, uh, common questions when it comes to healing and, and what people have. And, and first of all, I want you to understand, I know this may come as a shock, but I don't have all the answers. Oh. Yeah, I know. Surprising, right? I don't, I don't know. If you ever meet somebody that acts like they know it all, guess what? They're lying. Yeah. All right. They don't have all the, believe it or not, we're not God. None of us are. None of us have it all. And let me just tell you, sometimes, especially being the pastor, I feel this pressure when people ask me, I'm like, I got to give them an answer. All right. That was when I was younger. As I've gotten older, I'm like, you know, I'm very comfortable telling people, I don't know. You know what? If I don't know, I don't know. And, And I'm okay with that. And it's like, hey, listen, let's figure this out together. Let's trust Christ together and let's work through this. Like, why does God heal some? Why doesn't other people get healed? Uh, Why is that? I don't have all the answers. God knows that. And it's all for his glory. So the bottom line is, let's agree to seek God together. Amen? Amen? Let's do that. I know we all have thoughts, ideas, convictions, things that maybe you've been taught, uh, but God has the bottom line. Amen? So here's uh, two questions I'm going to ask. The first one today is, uh, how should I pray for people to be healed? I mean, I've gotten that questions for people. What am I supposed to do? Are we supposed to just ask for healing or are by the authority Christ give us, are we to demand it? Are we to declare it over him? Are we supposed to rebuke sickness in the name of Jesus? Uh, There's all kinds of ideas of how we're supposed to do it. But here's the thing about this question. This is actually a formula question. Because we want the formula, what do I do? Give me the ABCs on how to do this, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow the formula. And uh, let me tell you, as Americans, we like formulas, don't we? Give me the ABCs on what I'm supposed to do. You know, save a certain percent of your income, and then you'll have enough to retire on. Buy a house, sell it several years later for more than you paid for it. Uh, Get something else. If you work hard, you will move up the ranks in your job. I mean, those are all formulas we're taught. Find the right person, get married, and then you will live life happily ever after. (laughs) All right, somebody's been watching too many Disney shows right there. Uh, here's, here's another one. If you'll read all the parenting books, get them in the right schools, make sure they go to church, then your child will grow into the model citizen. Yeah, I had some laughters in the first service over that as well. 
Uh, because there's this interesting thing, no matter what we do, that we, you know, we do the right thing, we, we think the right results are always going to happen. But there's this interjecting thing that comes in called life. Right? How many of you know life throws curveballs at us all the time? Wait a minute, God, I'm doing the right thing. I'm working the formula. What happened? Why, where did that pitch come from? Life has a way of doing that. You don't get, you know, you get sick and it's like, wait a minute, I claimed this, I did this. Where's this coming from? And uh, the problem is, is when you live life by formulas only, then when you do get sick, how many of you know other people are going to start saying, well, it's your fault. You did so. You didn't somewhere along the line. You didn't follow the formula. Uh, if you don't get your financial miracle, maybe they'll say, "Oh, well, you just didn't give enough. You needed to give a little bit more in that offering, and then all of a sudden, God would have done that." Or if you're sick, it's like you need to examine your heart. Maybe you got some kind of hidden sin in there, and that's coming back on you. Somewhere along the line, you did something wrong. You thought something wrong. You said something. Because if you, if you say that you're healed, then automatically you ought to be healed, right? And if you say you're sick, then, uh, then you're just going to get sicker. Like if you say, oh man, I got a headache. Don't say that. You know, your headache's about to get 10 times worse, right? That's not how it is. So the question is, is that true? Can you confess yourself into a healing? And can you confess yourself out of a healing? I mean, those are all questions there, because like I said, we've been taught to think of things as a formula. Let me get to the right faith healer. Let me say the right prayer. Let me give the right offering. Let me get to the right church. All of those things. And listen, you think if you can figure it out, then God's going to heal you. If I can just get it right. Let me say, there are books that will teach you exactly how to pray for somebody. They'll tell you where to place your hand and, uh, and what words to say when you do it. And can you imagine God up there saying, you know what? Your hand was three inches in the wrong direction. I'm not going to heal you. <laughs> you missed it. I really wanted to heal you. If you would have just moved it over a little bit right there, uh, that would have worked. And uh, I know we like methods. We like formulas. I mean, wouldn't it be easy if... Uh, if, if Jesus was just like a vending machine, put my money in and then out comes, oh man, I need success, right? Let me push that button. Let me hit that one. Let me hit health. Let me, oh, my family. It doesn't work that way, does it? It doesn't work like that. Let me say Jesus demonstrated many different ways of healing. I don't think there's any of them that are the same. I believe that's for a reason. Think about Lazarus. He died and was dead for four days before Jesus came along and raised him from the dead. Another person, he, uh, he interrupted the funeral. The funeral procession is going on. Can you imagine? And, and the dude's in his casket, and he's like, hey, get up out of that. And he raised him from the dead. Ten men were healed with leprosy and were told, go to the priest. And as they were going, I love this part, in the process of going, they were healed. So they're like they're walking, and it's like all of a sudden these skin issues are going away as they're walking in obedience. But another leper that Jesus encountered, he broke all protocol, and Jesus actually touched him, and he was made whole. So all of those things, there is no one formula. There is no one method. I don't think there's anything specific you have to do or special you have to say to qualify for healing. Because here's the point, your healing is not based on you, it's based on what he did. 
It's based on him. You can't restrict Jesus and say, okay, this is how, I mean, when, when God had healed me, I can't say, oh, this is the, how it has to happen every single time. I mean, it may happen that way, uh, but what I have witnessed in God over the years is God does it different all the time, right? Because he doesn't want to be put in a box. You can't squish God down into a formula. It's just not going to happen. He'll use different methods to heal different people uh, according to what he's, he's wanting. He's doing it, right? Can we trust him with that? Amen. So uh, that was the first question. The second question, how much of my healing depends on me and how much is up to God? Is there a part that I play in it or, uh, and how much of it is God? So I'm going to compare two stories in, uh, of healings that Jesus did, two men that were in very desperate situation and both of them needed a miracle from God. Uh, first one is the healing of blind Bartimaeus. This is found in Mark chapter 10. The other one is the healing of the invalid from the pool. And I've struggled first service saying this, Bethsaida. There we go. If I said it wrong, just go with it. So that's in John chapter 5. I'm going to compare both of these stories here, and hopefully we'll learn some important lessons about miracles and healing. Uh, but also, I hope it takes a little pressure off of us. Because sometimes we, we carry, oh man, I got to do it all right. I got to make it. So in Mark, Bartimaeus, he was a blind man desperate to see. Yeah, the story of the invalid, he was a lame man who couldn't go anywhere. He wanted to walk again. He was desperate. So what it boils down to is both of these men had a need, right? All, both of them, and it's more than just they, they had a physical issue. I want you to understand the culture at that time, in biblical times, that if you had some kind of a handicap, then uh, they thought something was wrong with you. You did something wrong. You have some kind of hidden sin. Or, or maybe they think it's your parents that have that sin, and this is just God punishing you for that. So uh, the handicapped people back in those days, they were subhuman. They were, they were the drain on society, and they were, they were basically a result of sin, and so people did not want to go around them. Like, oh man, you got something going on. You've got something wrong. So here's the thing. Both men had a need, but at the same time, both men had a plan. Both men had a plan on what God can do and, and, or what they can do in order to get better. What was Bartimaeus' plan? His plan was to sit by the road, wait for Jesus to come by and shout out to him for healing. How many of you know that's not a bad plan? That's not a bad plan. The invalid's plan was a little bit different. He, he found a nice little uh, spot next to the pool and waited for the waters. And the, they believed that if the water rippled, that it was an angel that was touching it, and whoever got in first was going to get healed. So his plan was somehow, his, his, there's, here was the problem with his plan. He couldn't walk, so how's he going to get in the pool first? Right? Unless he like lay me right next to it, and when it happens, I'll just roll into it. All right? that, I don't know what his plan was, but it wasn't a great plan. So uh, let's start and let's look at, at Bartimaeus in Mark chapter uh, 10, verse 46. It says, Then they came to Jericho, talking about Jesus, uh, as his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Because he couldn't get a job. If you're, if you're blind, there were no jobs for you. But I love the fact that he had initiative. Each day he would get up. 
find that good place to beg all day long. And uh, he was actually doing something, wasn't he? I'm not just like waiting somewhere else. The invalid, on the other hand, was doing nothing. He was laying by the pool day after day. He was basically the picture of a guy wallowing in his self-pity. Like, I can't walk, I can't run, all I can do is lay here and die. That was it. So the first big difference, if you're taking notes inside your uh, bulletin, Bartimaeus, I believe, was doing everything he could. That's all he could do. Like I said, he couldn't get a job, so I'm going to get out here. I'm going to beg. That's all I can do. The invalid was doing nothing, just laying there on his mat. And so here's my question. Are you doing everything that you know how to do in order to get the miracle or the healing in your life? Like, like I'm just, I'm doing every, I, you know, if it's going to the doctor, if it's taking medication, if it's eating better, and I, where's my mirror to look at myself? Am I eating healthier? Am I doing everything that I can do? Or am I like the invalid just sitting around feeling sorry for myself, hoping that one day I'll get a lucky break. One day everything's going to work out me. Listen, anybody ever hear the Bible verse, God helps those who help themselves? Yeah, that's not in the Bible, is it? That was actually Benjamin Franklin that said that. But here's the thing about that statement. It is partly true. It is partly true. God does help those that help themselves. But can I say at the same time, God helps those who can't help themselves. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? They can't do it. They can't. We need God. God meets us where we're at. So uh, Bartimaeus, here he was. He heard that Jesus of Nazareth uh, was coming by, and he began to shout, Jesus, son of, uh, where are we at here? Son of David, have mercy on me. He's like, he's not just whispering it quietly. Bartimaeus was focused on Jesus. He knew he had an opportunity for something more than money. Amen? And so he just kept on yelling to the point that he was annoying the people that were around. How many of you know, you may annoy people at how much that you're serving God and you're calling out to him, but I want to tell you, keep yelling, keep calling out to him. And he's saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. The crowd is now annoyed with him and look what him, they rebuked him and told him, be quiet. But he shouted, I love this. He shouted all the more, all the more, have mercy on me. Listen, this was the dynamic. It said that Jesus and a crowd followed. And uh, for a beggar, how many of you know a crowd is perfect? The more people that I can get, the better, because maybe I can get a good offering there. Uh, but that's not, that's not why he was there. The invalid, he did the exact opposite of what Bartimaeus did. It says in John 5, 6, when Jesus saw him lying there, he's down there on the mat, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he told him or asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get better? Is that something you would like to do? And the invalid responded a little bit different, I think, than Bartimaeus. And I actually have a picture so you can hear the voice when it happens. How many of you know that's Eeyore? This is his response to Jesus of, do you want to get well? He's like, sir, let's all imagine the Eeyore sound. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, somebody else always goes down ahead of me. That's just my life. It's not any good. 
I'm miserable. Woe is me. How, how many of you can hear that in his response now? All right, you'll never read the Bible the same when you get to that passage there. But here's the thing. The invalid, he didn't even recognize Jesus. He was so focused and so busy on his own pity party, he had all the excuses of why he couldn't get better. He, uh, his world basically existed on this tiny mat. So here, here's the difference in them. Bartimaeus was Jesus-focused. The invalid was excuse-focused. Let me just wallow in my, in my excuses. So again, here's my question. Which one are you like? Are you focused on Jesus? Are you focused on the one that can actually make a difference? Or are you living in your pity party like, woe is me. You're, you know, here's all the reasons I'm not happy in life. Here's all the reasons I'll never get here. Here's the reason my life stinks. And it's going to be like that for the rest of my days. And I'll never have a miracle. Uh, how many of you, we can get caught up in our excuses. But we got to focus on Jesus. So uh, when it came back to Bartimaeus, I love this. It says, Jesus, stop. He's hearing this commotion. Jesus, have mercy on me, son of David. And so he stopped and he says, call him over here. And I love this because the crowd that one moment was rebuking him, telling him to shut up. They're like, hey, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. And uh, isn't that interesting how quick a, sh a crowd can shift? Isn't it? Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And Jesus kind of asked him a similar question that he did the invalid. What do you want me to do for you? Like at this point, Bartimaeus could have said, uh, I know there's a big crowd here. Can we pass the plate and get an offering? Because I think I could really make a good haul here today, right? Or, or is there a better place? Is there something you can do? No. He, uh, he says, Rabbi, I want to see. He asked for something that was not possible on the natural level. And a lot of times, you know, the, 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 the invalid is asking, you know what, I just, I need someone to put me in the water. Uh, he was looking for natural solutions. And, and Bartimaeus is like, hey, listen, I'm going for the top desire. I want to see. I don't want to be handicapped with this anymore. I want to get well. Like I said, when he asked the invalid, uh, basically the invalid like, listen, uh, when the water stir, can you just pick me up and throw me in? That would be great, right? No, he didn't, he didn't say, I want to get well. Isn't that crazy? If you're dealing with something, the Bible says that he was that way for 38 years. Think about that. Four, almost four decades of not being able to walk, and somebody comes up and says, do you want to get well? I mean, even if you don't believe it, it seems like the least that you would say is, well, yeah, I do. Hello, right? I would love that. So here's the big difference. I believe that Bartimaeus was hopeful. He had hope that he could see again. But sometimes when we're in our own self-pity and we're in there, uh, we lose all hope and it's like, this is hopeless. This is my life. This is where I'm at. I'm going to be this way for the rest of my days. So again, what about you? Are you hopeful? Are you hopeful that God could do something in your life? Or have you just given up on the miracle? Eh, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to believe it. Uh, let me tell you, I believe that God still wants to meet you where you are. Amen? Amen. So Jesus called to Bartimaeus in verse 50. I love it. It said, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Now remember, what? what's his problem? He's blind. He can't see. You know, where's my little stick? Give me my stick so I can find Jesus 
No, he didn't do that. He like, he like makes a beeline. And I, I was thinking about this. If anybody was in between him and Jesus, they're about to get run over. Right? Because he can't see them. He's like, all I know is I hear the voice of Jesus and I'm going for it. So you better get out of my way. Amen. Sometimes you got to tell some people that are between you and Jesus, you got to get out of my way. Amen. Because I'm coming to him. I'm following after him no matter what goes on. So remember, uh, Bartimaeus came to Jesus, but what about the invalid? He couldn't come to Jesus. He couldn't get up off of his, off of his mat. So I love that Jesus in his mercy came to him. Amen. So that, that's a, Jesus, Bartimaeus came to Jesus. Jesus came to the invalid. And, and I believe that that is powerful. Because when we don't have the ability to get up and go, whatever the situation is, he's going to come to us. Amen? So here's the thing. Regardless of the situation, both of them had an encounter with Jesus, right? Jesus stopped for both of them. It wasn't like, oh, you get priority over the other one. He stopped for Bartimaeus, and he stopped for the invalid who had no hope. I love that. The blind man shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, I want to see. Uh, how many of you know that's a powerful statement right there? Because he's giving a title there. Calling him son of David is a reference knowing that he knew he was the Messiah. Uh, Bartimaeus had been around. He's been hearing about Jesus healing people. He's probably heard him speak somewhere along the way. And he already had faith that Jesus could do this. That's why he's asking the impossible. I know that you can do it. So he had, he had the faith of a believer. The invalid wasn't a believer at all, wasn't a follower, wasn't even a, a, a casual observer of who Jesus was. Because think about it, back then, the city wasn't that big. Jesus was the most popular teacher of that day. He was shaking it up. Large crowds went wherever he went. And somehow, this guy never even heard of Jesus. Have you ever thought, how weird is that? Sitting by the pool, never even heard of him, and he walks up, and he says, do you want to get well? And the invalid basically says, sir, because he didn't know who he was. Some, some guy, some guy's asking me if I want to get well. Can you imagine you've been that way all your life? Somebody comes up and, uh, and, and says, do you want to get well? Listen, that was the son of God. That was the creator of the heavens and earth walking by. That would be a Listen, he could not have been a believer or else he would have known. So here's the question. If he's not a believer, then is there any way that he could have been healed? Because he didn't have faith, did he? Right? There was no faith. You know, if we say, well, you got to have faith, he didn't have any faith. Bartimaeus, we know he was a believer. The invalid didn't even know who Jesus was. So uh, we know Bartimaeus, he knew what he wanted. He wanted healing. He called out for it. The invalid, he didn't even know what he needed. He didn't even know to be well. I don't, that's not even possible. So uh, he just, like I said, he wanted someone just to throw him in the water. The invalid was looking for some kind of natural, you know, solution. If he would have just given some money, he would have been okay with that. But let me tell you, the supernatural was standing right there in front of him. Amen. He was right there. He was right there. So comparing these stories it seems like Bartimaeus deserved to be healed, didn't he? Seems like it, right? The invalid, he didn't even try. And I know for some of you, everything you believe about miracles and healing may be challenged when you look at these stories, because to Bartimaeus, what did Jesus say to him after he says, I want to see? He says, go, your faith has healed you. So what's the key to his healing right there? 
His faith, right? There's a number of miracles that Jesus did that said it was your faith that healed me. So, so we have sometimes taken it. It's like, well, you've got to have enough faith. Oh, you just don't have enough faith yet. And so what do we do? Well, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Okay, I got to get into God's Word more. I got to memorize it. I got to quote it all the time because then all of a sudden my faith's going to be bigger. And there's a lot of people have done that. And guess what? They still weren't healed. Right? It's like, well, how do I build, how do I build my faith? And we put all this pressure on us to try to uh, uh, convince ourselves, and it almost turns into a, a positive confession. Okay, I'm going to confess it. I'm going to confess it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And, and we're, we're putting too much faith in faith rather than faith in God. Does that make sense? Like, I, oh, oh, man, I got to have that. I, and you feel like you're having to do it all. And so Jesus tells him, your faith, it is a key but it's not the only key. Because remember, Jesus isn't in a box. So sometimes faith is a key, but look at what he said to the, uh, the invalid after his Eeyore response of, sir, nobody's there. Look what he told him. He says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. Isn't that powerful? I mean, think about it. If faith was the key, why was the invalid healed? Because he didn't have any. He didn't even know who Jesus was. So how could he have faith in him? I don't even know who you are. Nothing this man did brought about his, his healing. It was the fact that Jesus offered healing. And that's what made the difference. So here's the thing. Bartimaeus was healed because of his faith. The invalid was healed because of his compassion. Aren't you glad that he heals both ways? Jesus told Bartimaeus, your faith has healed you. The invalid, when he got healed, and in fact, it probably wasn't until a little bit later that he placed his faith because he didn't even know he was. So the invalid, his faith came as a result of that miracle. And so what I want to challenge you, sometimes if we think faith is the only thing that'll get you a healing, then you should never pray for somebody that's not a Christian. If that's what we think, right? It, no, you got to get saved, you got to have faith, and then God can do something. God doesn't work that way. He can, you know, you meet somebody that doesn't believe God, I don't even believe God exists, uh, but they've got, a, they got an issue, pray for them anyway, because you never know what God may do, amen? You never know what God, don't, don't leave that condition of if you don't have enough faith. Listen, th- it's just simply a result of the love of God. It's what he did, Amen. God in his great love and mercy chose to reveal himself to this invalid. Amen. And in a little bit, we're going to be praying over everybody here. So if you happen, if you're here and you're skeptical, you're a doubter, you're, I don't know if he's going to do that. Listen, I just want to challenge you. I dare you to believe for healing. I dare you to believe for healing. Amen. So I said a minute ago, both men had an encounter, but guess what? Both men received a miracle. Bartimaeus was healed because of his faith in Jesus. The invalid had faith in Jesus because he was healed. And, and listen, I, I don't think it just applies to those that, uh, uh, if you don't believe in Jesus, but I believe that sometimes, even as depression, how many of you know that's a real thing? It's awfully hard to have faith in depression at the same time. You, if, you're, if it's something, it's, it can be kind of just a heaviness on you, and it's like, oh, I know God still heals, but I don't know. And, and that's just a real thing. But guess what? God can still meet you right there. 
Amen. God can still meet you right there. I believe in faith. I believe we need to walk in faith. I believe that God can do anything that he wants. Uh, so don't think that, oh, pastor's not saying you got to have faith. No, faith is absolutely important. Scripture says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And I love this part, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So yes, faith is important. I'm thankful for it. When my, but here's the thing. When my faith is weak, how many of you know God is still able to heal? Amen. Amen. God is still able to. God is miraculous. His power, I love this, is not limited by our lack of faith. Like, oh, no, you better, you better raise the bar there. So uh, let's move back to the story. What happens, I love this. Bartimaeus did exactly what we, he expected. He, he, uh, he left his begging ways behind, and he began to follow Jesus. But look at what happened to the invalid in uh, verse 9. On uh, the day on which he took place, that he got healed, happened to be the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry his mat. Count on the Pharisees to get legalistic, right? What do you think you're doing? Never mind the fact that you haven't walked for four decades. What are you doing carrying your mat? But I love this. Verse 11, it says, he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up the mat? Because, you know, okay, well, you're not doing it, but I want to know the guy. I want to know the guy that told you that. And here's his response. The man who was healed had no idea who it was. Have you ever thought about that one? He had no idea. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd and was there. Now, I want to pause for a minute and put yourself in the invalid situation. You haven't walked for almost 40 years. And all of a sudden, a guy comes up and heals you, tells you to pick up your mat. Would you lose track of who that guy was? No. It's like, man, I would like, okay, I'm picking up my mat and I'm following you. I'm going, wherever you go, that's where I'm going, because something amazing happened, and, and, and it seems hard to imagine, but I can tell you, over, over the many years Pastor Colleen and I have been pastoring, we have witnessed so many people that have experienced the love of God, His power, healing miracles that are beyond any kind of denying that it was God, but they've lost sight of who Jesus is just in their own busy life. They lost track of who he is, just like the invalid. And you might think, wow, since this guy didn't acknowledge Jesus, why didn't he just become a cripple again? That's not how God works, is it? He's not like, well, you didn't acknowledge me, so trip him up, Lord. No, that's not, God's not vengeful like that. He's full of love and mercy. As a matter of fact, this is what Jesus did. Later on, he found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. And I love the fact that this man's at the temple because he's wanting to thank God. He's thankful. He doesn't know who it was that healed him, but then Jesus finds him and he tells him, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. See, this is an important thing right here. Jesus was concerned about his physical condition, wasn't he? But I want to tell you, he was more concerned about his spiritual condition. That was way more. Jesus' point is that our sin condition is far worse than whatever physical condition that we're facing. Because how many of you know eternity away from him is a whole lot worse than walking around, you know, blind or, you know, lame and you're not able to do that. So Jesus 
says our sin condition, that's what needs to get fixed first. 38 years of an invalid is nothing. So uh, these two stories, these two guys both have an opportunity to follow Jesus. Bartimaeus immediately chose to follow God. We don't really know about the invalid, but I believe that after Jesus, after he found him, because he was in the temple, I think that he became a follower of Christ. That's my belief right there. Uh, two very different men in different stations, but guess what? Both of them now had a Savior. Both of them had a walk with God from that point forward. So who does God help? That's the question. God helps those who help themselves, but he also helps those who can't help themselves. So maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. You're like, hey, listen, I, I need God. I need him in my life because here's the thing. It's not about you. It's all about him. That's what healing is. It's not about, oh, I'm just going to get better, and in that way I can do all these things that I've always wanted to do. It's not about finding the right formula or the right person to pray for you. It's about finding Jesus. Amen? That's what he wants. So the lesson from Bartimaeus is run to Jesus. Go to him. The lesson from the invalid is to realize that mercy is available to me even when I can't do it even when I can't help myself. So if you're here today, and actually uh, uh, we want to take some time here and actually pray. We don't want to just talk about healing. How many of you know we want to do it? Amen. Amen. So you may be here and you feel like, you know what, I've been abandoned. Maybe you feel like that invalid. You've tried everything. Nothing's working. You're feeling helpless. You're feeling hopeless. Can I tell you, you are a perfect candidate for the mercy of God. You're the perfect candidate so I want to tell you, mercy must be something that's received, right? We have to accept that from him. And I know, and you know, if you have a lot of faith, if you got little faith, if you got no faith, if you're hopeful or hopeless, it doesn't matter. I want to tell you that today you could walk out of here a changed person. Amen? You could walk out of here a changed person. So uh, I want to encourage you, come forward for prayer. We're just going to take a minute, and uh, my wife and I will be here, and we got several people that are here to pray. We just want to see God. Don't, don't walk out of here. Don't feel the pressure like, oh, no, I have to. But uh, I do want to say, if you want that, remember what I said, do everything that you can. There's an opportunity to receive prayer here today. And, and listen, I'm not going to tell you everything that is going to happen or not going to happen, uh, but I'm trusting God. Amen? I'm trusting God. So uh, as uh, Timothy is playing, we're just going to pray and we're going to believe for a miracle. Listen, it may not be a healing miracle. Some of you guys need an emotional healing. Amen. Some of you may be dealing with depression. Some of you may be dealing with anxiety. Uh, whatever it is, I want to tell you, God wants to heal what's in, in our mind too. The scripture says, cast all of our cares upon him for he cares for us. You don't have to carry the weight of all of those things. You know, you're concerned for family members. You're concerned for, uh, maybe you're concerned for your kids. Oh no, what are they doing? Uh, whatever it is, Jesus says, cast that care. So I want to encourage you to come up and uh, maybe you're needing a miracle in another area. Maybe you're needing a financial miracle. Let me tell you, he is provider, amen? Whatever the situation. So uh, I'm just, I'm going to stop talking and... Uh, give you an opportunity for prayer.